This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the winter of 2022 and 2023, the months of December, January, and February, we're studying the first 11 chapters of John. We'll be picking up the second half of John in the spring months, but right now we're focusing on these first 11 chapters. And I'm Dwayne McCurry, your host. Today, I'm being joined by Gia Thornburgs. Gia was with us four or five weeks ago. It was You were with us last year now, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, but Gia introduced herself then. She's our production editor on the Adult Explore the Bible team. She also teaches a Sunday school class. She didn't share that last time. She teaches a group of high school girls in her church using Explore the Bible for students. And so Gia, thank you for being with us again today. We're looking at session seven. We're looking at John chapter five, verses five through 16. The name of this session is Pick Up Your Mat. And the main point is that Jesus is Lord over all creation and values all people. The outline follows these three points, compassion expressed, legalism exposed, identity exposed. In verses 5 through 9a, we end with the phrase started, uh, started to walk. We've entitled that compassion expressed. Jesus encounters a disabled man who had been lying at the pool of Bethesda for a long time and asked the man if he wanted to get well. The man pointed out that no one was available to help him get in the pool when the water was stirred. Jesus directed the man to stand, pick up his mat, and walk. The man instantly was healed and followed Jesus' commands. The point for us is that believers are to offer compassion to all people. The second point is entitled Legalism Exposed. It looks at verses 9b through 13. We start with, now this day was... The Jews questioned the man since he was carrying a mat on the Sabbath. The man relayed to them that the one who healed him told him to do so. When asked about the identity of the one who healed him, the man was unable to identify Jesus. The main point for us from this passage is that believers can affirm Jesus working in the lives of all people. The last section, Identity Exposed, looks at verses 14 through 16. In these verses, we find Jesus locating the man and directing him to no longer sin, lest a greater ill fall on him. The, the man reported to the Jews that Jesus was the one who healed him. And the Jews began persecuting Jesus since he had done this on the Sabbath. We want to emphasize here that believers can celebrate the works of Jesus. So, Gia, there's a lot of things in here. We'll talk about several of them. Uh, the, the man here, he's not named. What do we make of him not being named here? So throughout the narrative, John simply calls him either the, the disabled man or the man. Um, and so, like you said, we, we don't know his name. And um, we actually don't even know what his disability is. We're also not told that from the context we can, we, we know that it's some type of paralysis because he depends on others and he is waiting on someone to help him get into the pool of Bethesda. Um, but with us not knowing his name, we, we, we do know some details. We know that he has suffered from this for 38 years. John gives us that. And that's a long time to, to live this way. 
um, and to always depend on somebody else. Um, and he probably also experienced shunning from others because of his disability. Um, and so after living this way for almost four decades, he probably viewed himself through the lens of his disability. I mean, to him, he probably was the disabled man or just the man. He probably had just accepted this as part of his identity. And sadly, those in this area may have also seen him that way as well. You know, it, it, Jesus says, or it says that Jesus recognized he had been there a long time. He was probably recognized by people who came there often. And so um, this was a defining part of his identity. And so that's what we can kind of take away from him not having a, a name listed in the narrative. They mentioned 38 years. Why didn't they just say, well, he'd been there a long time, but they mentioned 38 years. Do you see anything important about that time period? Well, I mean, to start off with, 38 would have been recognizable to our Jewish audiences, because we do know that the, the Israelites wandered for 38 years mm. in the Old Testament. So that number would have rung a bell to, to this original audience as well. But also, you know, this is, again, it's almost four decades. Um, and so we don't know if he had been born this way and he was 38, or if maybe something happened in his childhood and he was much older than this. But um, we, we, again, it's, it's a long time to depend on others. And it probably felt like an eternity to him. Um, and not only that, but this 38 years, um, we also have to recognize that he doesn't ask Jesus for healing. Um, Jesus initiates this healing. Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed? And so we can kind of, you know, sum up from that. Um, and when Jesus asks him that, I guess I should say, you know, the man doesn't say, yes, can you help me? He responds with an excuse for why it can't happen. So we can kind of take away from, you know, the length of time he has suffered, as well as his response to Jesus, that he's probably living without hope that he can be healed yeah he, he it feels like he got he got used to accustomed mm -hmm. to being ignored yeah absolutely and i think that we can even um find ourselves maybe you know being ignored by others we can sometimes see ourselves as being guilty of that and falling into that tendency of seeing somebody who has suffered a long time and kind of making assumptions of well if he's making excuses for not being healed Maybe he just doesn't want to live that way and falling into that um, tendency of being blind to compassion instead of, you know, taking away our own pride and assumptions and helping someone despite the fact of, you know, whatever assumptions we're making of them. This was done on a Sabbath. How does the, the healing taking place on a Sabbath move Jesus toward the cross? So verse nine um, has two tones to it. When you read it, you know, we first have the celebration of the man being able to walk and being healed. And then we have that last half where it says, now this day was the Sabbath. And we can almost feel, uh-oh, here comes trouble. And you can kind of just sense that the religious leaders are going to come out and start reprimanding the healed man, which they do. Um, they jump on it immediately and question why have you picked up your mat and you're and walking it's the sabbath and to understand this we have to understand why this is a big deal and understand these regulations 
Um, and this day, they would have followed something called the Mishnah, which was essentially a list of things you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. It was written by the rabbis and was an expansion of God's law. And so the man was in violation of the carrying goods section of this. And the, the man shifts the blame. You know, we see that he says, well, someone else told me to. And so they immediately go to who told you to do this because that person is a threat to them. And we will see later when the man encounters Jesus again and he finds out who healed him. He goes back to the Pharisees or the Jews and he tells them. And it says in verse um, 16, therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So he has a target on his back now. So he is starting to get pointed to the cross because he is blatantly violating these regulations where the Jews are only seeing the violation of the rules and are blind with legalism. Jesus is, is seeing, you know, something else completely, which is what he's here to show them, which is showing compassion. And, you know, why does it matter what day it is? Because this man who has been disabled for almost 40 years is now able to walk. In verse 14, we find the statement, do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. This is a rabbit. I'm going to go ahead and bring it out, put it on the table, is the connection here between sin and illness. Because that's what that sounds like. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. He's already been paralyzed for 38 years. So the inference here is that he would have a longer or more extreme malady. How do we deal with that issue of the connection between sin and illness? First of all, um, what, what Jesus is saying here is not necessarily that he will come, come into another physical ailment. Really, what Jesus is talking here is about his eternity, his eternal judgment, something worse, you know, falling back into sin now that he's encountered Christ and been changed. But, you know, as far as with sin and illness, you know, it's, I, I want to be careful because this is a, a tricky topic. You know, the Jews did believe that sin um, had consequences of illness and suffering. You know, we can look back to the story of Job and Job's friends just adamantly saying, you know, you must have sinned because you are suffering. Um, and so we, we need to, we need to remember that, you know, sometimes suffering and illness are results of sin. Um, that is a reality in our fallen world, but it's not always the case. Um, because we do see in John later on, there is a man who was born blind and the disciples asked Jesus, why, who sinned that this man was born blind? him or his parents. And Jesus says that his healing is actually going to come across because it's going to show the glory of God. And so sometimes that suffering is to show God's glory instead. And he is using us through that suffering for his goodness um, to testify about him. You know, we, we always think about Job, or I do at this point, and Job's never told why he went through what he did. He was just told, mm -hmm. keep trusting me. And so the, the main point for us is whether we have illness or not, we need to see if there's sin involved in our own life in that context. There's consequences to sin. But at the same time, illness isn't exactly 
a result of our sin. Sometimes it's to find out for ourselves if we'll trust God. Yeah. Um, and it's more complex than we think it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I brought that rabbit up. There's a lot of rabbits in this passage. Thankfulness mentioned sin and illness. The, the, this guy not having a name and we don't know his name. Uh, maybe, you know, the, the emphasis about the pool and the angel stirring the water. Um, that's a, that's a whole nother side story we could follow or, or the motives of this man telling about what had happened and creating a problem for Jesus. Um, how can we deal with those rabbits or move past them so that we don't end up just on the rabbit trails? And, and I think that's a, a good point and a good question because it can be very easy to fall into being distracted by all of these unknowns or places where we can insert our own ideas of what is going on. Um, and that can definitely consume our class time and our time together as a small group. And so one thing that I would give as a tip for classes who might struggle with this is really just lead the discussion towards the facts that we do know. You know, there's so much that we don't in here, um, but focus your class time on what facts do we know and then really expand on what those details mean and why they matter. Um, because really in the passage, what we're seeing here is um, the message of the story is the compassion of Jesus. Jesus is the hero because really what we're seeing um, after this man is healed, the focus is truly on that contrast between Jesus and the religious leaders, their legalism and his compassion. And um, that is creating conflict. And so focus on that because we do see that, we do know that in that passage and talk about what it means and then how we can apply that to our lives. What does, how does this passage apply to us? What can we take away from this and how Jesus is reacting in the situation? Are there any other key ideas or thoughts you would have about this passage, John chapter five, verses five through 16? You know, I think it really, to me, the only other thing, and it's going back to, to those rabbits is really focus on what this text says and, and try really hard to fight that human tendency of reading into it and inserting ourselves, right? Let the passage speak for itself. Let scripture speak for itself. Don't try to speak into the passage. One thing I need to remind our listeners about is that this is the lesson that we'll be using on the third Sunday of January, which is designated as Sancti of Human Life Sunday. And so many times we forget that the sanctity of human life involves more than how we treat uh, unborn children. It involves how we treat other people, how we treat people with challenges. It's about being compassionate. And this lesson is a call for the church to be proactive in helping people facing all kinds of challenges. And that includes a single mom, unborn child. So many different ways we could understand and need to understand how we can be compassionate in the apply the text section it's on the last page of the session in the daily discipleship guide it's on the this particular one it's also on the last page in the personal study guide um, you've got two places in the daily discipleship guide that's why i mentioned that this one is on the day five page 
and it, it's directed towards us as individuals. So here's what this apply the text encourages us to do. So it's in your regular errands and outings. So as we're going about our days, determine where we are likely to encounter people who are hurting or who have been marginalized. Then recognizing those potential encounters, we need to ask ourselves, what can we do to prepare to minister to them and show them compassion? Not long ago for me, I had the opportunity to, to show compassion to someone and I wasn't looking for it and I flat missed it and I realized it afterwards and I beat myself up the rest of the day for missing it. But part of it is because I just wasn't ready to look for an opportunity to be compassionate. For some of us who compassion is not our forte, we have to really work to ask God to help us see people along the way who are hurting who are marginalized and just listen and demonstrate God's grace to them. And I think that's an important thing for us to think about when we're thinking about this lesson, dealing with the sanctity of human life and thinking about it in a broad scope of how we relate to all people and how we represent Christ in this world in a way that honors him. Gia, thank you for being with me today. I appreciate it so much. Let me encourage everyone out there listening to take a look at the blog posts that are found on goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Every Thursday, a new post is added, and these posts will help you better understand Explore the Bible resources and the ideas behind these resources. Once again, that's goexplorethebible.com forward slash blog. Thank you for listening to us today. We'll hope you encourage other teachers to tune in next week. We'll be looking at session eight. Mike Livingston will be joining me. We'll be looking at John chapter 6, verses 26 through 40. And in this passage, we'll be thinking about the idea that Jesus provides spiritual food that always satisfies. Mm -hmm.